Hello and welcome to The Next Delicious Thing, your weekly podcast where I update you on all the delights of London's food scene, along with some geeky facts that you didn't know you needed to know. I'm Jennifer Earle. I'm a former food buyer and food developer and the founder of Chocolate Ecstasy Tours and generally a greedy person. Did you know there are three types of stracciatella? I didn't. I knew there were two, but not three. And there are three completely different Italian foods with this name. I'm going to tell you more about it. The reason that I know this is because I attended the launch of Pierre Marcolini's summer chocolate range, including ice cream and cookies. And that sent me down a rabbit hole because the name of the collection is La Vita e Stracciatella. And I thought, what does Stracciatella even mean? And then when I started trying to find out, I discovered there are three different Italian foods with that name. I'm going to tell you more about this. And also now I can tell you how to make burrata. I'm going to tell you about the Italian Oreo cookie, which isn't really an Oreo, but apparently it's as popular as Oreos are in the US. And I also went to Topaz on the canal in Hackney for breakfast. And I want to share that place with you. I'm sure you know it already, but if not, then you should. I had a delicious dinner at Ottolenghi and I have a very niche recommendation for you if you happen to need a celebration cake, particularly for a children's party in East London. The good news is that the Pierre Marcolini chocolates and treats can be purchased online. And if you can't make it to Hackney, the Towpath women have an incredible book so you can make their delicious food wherever you are in the world. So, Stracciatella. You might know the Italian gelato, which is a fior di latte, so milk-based gelato or ice cream. If you watched the previous episode, you'll know the difference. And it has shards of broken up dark chocolate all the way through it. So how this is made, while the gelato mixture is freezing, they pour liquid hot chocolate into the mix and it sets immediately. And because it's churning, it gets broken up into lots of tiny tiny little shards, little pieces. That's how you can get proper chocolate in ice cream. If you like chocolate chip ice cream, then this chocolate is going to be made with coconut oil rather than cocoa butter. If you have chocolate with cocoa butter, it basically becomes like tiny little rocks when it is at minus 18 or anything below zero. I once attempted to climb Mount Kilimanjaro and seriously regretted taking 70% chocolate up the mountain because chocolate melts at body temperature and my body was not even at body temperature. So when I put the piece of chocolate in my mouth, it was like having a piece of plastic and couldn't get, it couldn't, it took so long to get it to melt and it tasted like you couldn't taste any sugar. So you probably also know this, that the further things are away from room temperature the less sweet they will taste. So if you have Coca-Cola straight from the fridge versus warm, uh, then warm, it tastes like syrup. Straight from the fridge, it tastes like how it's supposed to taste, but still has the sickly, syrupy amount of sugar. Anyway, I digress. We were talking about stracciatella. So stracciatella comes from the Italian verb stracciare, which means to shred. And you might notice that stracciatella, tagliatella, mozzarella, the ella suffix, I checked this with an Italian friend, 
isn't really like a known thing that you get taught in grammar, but it does often happen to foods. They take a verb like stacciare to shred and add ella, and then it becomes a food. So I'm going to talk to you about the three foods. So apart from gelato, there's two others, just in case you're curious. Tagliatelle, taglia is to cut. And for mozzarella, it also means to cut, but to cut by hand. And I'm going to come back to mozzarella because it's an important part of our story. Stracciatella is shreds of mozzarella, which are stirred with cream. And burrata, proper burrata, is where you knead the mozzarella cheese into a flat disc, and then you take the shreds of mozzarella, stir them with cream, put them in the center, then you ball it up, um, so like a dumpling, and then twist it at the top. So that seals it all together. You drop it into ice water, and then it will kind of firm up. And so when you cut into proper burrata, which is traditionally made with buffalo milk, then it will all ooze out and just be incredibly amazing. These are fresh cheeses. So well, traditionally should be fresh cheeses. If you are buying them or making them, they really shouldn't last more than a couple of days. That's why it's like really great to get them in good restaurants. But often what you see sold as burrata in supermarkets it's not really the same thing. If you cut it through and it just goes straight through, that's basically just mozzarella. Still delicious, but not, not burrata and not stracciatella. The third stracciatella is a soup. It's a Roman soup and it's a hot broth where raw egg is broken into the broth and then it's stirred. And again, because you're stirring at the same time, the egg starts to cook in the hot liquid and it breaks up into shreds, more shreds. So three things they have in common. They are all shreds, but apart from that, nothing, nothing else. The stracciatella gelato was made by a man called Enrico Panatoni, who owned a gelateria in northern Italy. And upstairs from that, he also had a Tuscan restaurant. So he made this stracciatella soup and he somehow came up with the idea that to pour liquid chocolate in and stir it, you'd end up breaking it up the same way that you do the egg in the soup. So that was in 1961. And now it's one of the most popular flavors in Italy. Okay, so back to the product that inspired this dive into what exactly stracciatella means. This is Pierre Marcolini's summer range of chocolate inspired by stracciatella. So the idea is that the shards of chocolate that you get in the ice cream he has created here so this there are three leaves of chocolate so these are called ganaches fouillettes in french this is referring to the leaf and so these are leaves of chocolate so you also get fouilletine which is the crack kind of wafer or you know milfoy which is also a thousand leaves the idea is just very thin crunchy and so each of these chocolates has three leaves of chocolate and three layers of ganache. And the base is a praline, a crunchy praline with cocoa nibs. So the flavors of these ganache fouillettes, there are six, all very summery. You have yuzu and verbena in white chocolate with dark chocolate leaves. That's this first one I was showing you. You have vanilla with timut pepper with dark chocolate leaves. I'm going to come back and tell you more about timut pepper in a second. 
citron, sorry, <laughs> lemon and bergamot with milk, chocolate, ganache, and white chocolate leaves. This is my favorite, the passion fruit, which is passion fruit and orange blossom, milk chocolate, milk chocolate leaves, yuzu and mandarin, milk chocolate with dark chocolate leaves, and the citron vert, which is coconut and lime with white chocolate ganache and white chocolate leaves. But they were delicious, as you can see, if you're watching online, but if you're listening, go to the nextdeliciousthing.com and I will have photographs, but they're not coated in chocolate on the outside. So you just have these three layers that give you the crunch the way that a typical ganache, you'd have the crunch on the outside with the coating of chocolate. But this time you get three layers. So it's like, it's very, um, they're very cool. And the crunch of the praline. Like I said, most of them will have white chocolate in them. And then you have the vanilla one. So it's all kind of fresh and summery. Timut pepper is not technically a peppercorn. It's related to Szechuan pepper. So it has a slightly numbing effect. And the tree it grows on is sometimes referred to as a toothache tree because it can be used to <laughs> numb tooth pain. Anything helps when you're desperate. It has kind of a slightly citrus note to it as well. So it's great flavored in the chocolate. It's really subtle. I'm not sure that you'd necessarily be able to pick it up in this vanilla chocolate, but um, yeah, it's a cool ingredient to be playing with and it is native to the Himalayas. My favorite product from the new collection. So there's also ice cream, which has like a disc of chocolate on the top and some macarons, but my favorite is the Bachididama, which translates to a lady's kiss. And the Bachididama is the Italian Oreo. So it is a very proud product for Italy. And it even has a protected designation from the region of Piedmont, where it's from, because they are hazelnut biscuits. And Piedmont is the most famous and well-known place for making the best hazelnuts in the world. That is where Nutella is from. When there was a cocoa shortage in the mid 20th century, that was obviously a horrible, horrible thing to think about. They decided to lengthen out the chocolate with their local hazelnuts and making janduya. So janduya is traditionally hazelnuts ground in with the chocolate. So you get like a smooth paste and typically it's left uncoated. So you just eat pieces of this chocolate hazelnut praline. Nutella is where you add a ton of vegetable oil and sugar to that mixture, and then you can spread it on your toast. So the Pacha di Dama are a hazelnut biscuit sandwiched together with chocolate. So the idea is like the two biscuits are kissing and they're held together by chocolate. Way, way better than Oreos. My controversial opinion, Oreos are not very good. Sorry. I wonder how many of you are going to stop watching now that I've said that. I get if you like them for nostalgia. So when I visited Bergamo, the place that Stracciatella was invented, I walked past a bakery and saw this amazing looking sandwich cookie that looked like a peach and it was called pesh, which is peach in Italian. Sorry if I've not pronounced it correctly. It even had like this pink blush to it. And so I bought it because I was really excited to try a peach flavored biscuit. Turns out it is not peach flavored traditionally. Sometimes you will find them with peach conserve in the sandwich part, in the filling part, but Traditionally, they are a biscuit made with flour, oil, sugar, and eggs, and then just sandwiched together with like a custody cream. The peach name is just from the appearance. They tend to be dipped in a 
red food coloring. Sometimes that red food coloring is mixed with peach brandy though. So you do have like some kind of peach note to it, but they don't taste peachy like I was really hoping for. They're often decorated with the leaves of peaches as well. And they are served at weddings. It's a traditional wedding cookie. Those are also available online. They were so good. I think you're probably gathering that I'm a very big biscuit fan. If you are in London and want to try really good stracciatella, then I highly recommend Gelaterino, which is on my ice cream tour, of which we have another date added to the diary, the 24th of July. It's a Sunday. There's a couple of spots if you want to come along. At Gelaterino, we taste their stracciatella, which is made with Demori chocolate, an award-winning Italian chocolate. And there you can actually watch the ice cream being made or gelato. It's one of the few places in London where you can see it on site. They have the top loading gelato machines and they pour the chocolate. If you're lucky to be there at the right time, you can see them pouring this liquid chocolate in and stirring, watching it all break up into these tiny shreds. They also like then have to scoop it out with this incredible trowel-like thing. Excellent gelato. So definitely worth visiting there. I talked about Ottolenghi before, so I won't say much except that it was so nice to go for dinner where every single dish was so interesting and just so well-made and so delicious. My favorite was um, a charred hispy cabbage with pico de gallo, pickled walnuts, fried capers, and tofu cream. Definitely not something I'm going to be making of a Friday night. Happened to be vegan as well. Speaking of food that is delicious and just made with love, the breakfast I had at Topath is exactly that. And it's why people come again and again and again to this beautiful little spot on the canal in Hackney. I will warn you now that if you haven't been and you want to go, there are generally queues. So try and go in off-peak times. It's open Wednesday to Sunday and only from... March until November because the seating is all outside except for one of the little kind of industrial kiosks that they they have for. They cook from one, there's a bar in the next one, then there's a tiny seating area, and then there is their larder. When Laurie Demore and Laura Jackson opened the business in 2010, they were making all the food, or Laura was making all the food from Laurie's apartment, which was across on the other side of the canal. So they'd take the order, make it, and then someone would have to carry it to the cafe which is kind of mental. Laura says that if they weren't able to have gotten that extra space to put the kitchen in, then the business wouldn't have continued, but it has. And it is a real heart of the community. They also have a podcast where they interview some of their regulars and some chefs. So that's worth checking out as well. All the links to everything that I talk about in the podcast are at thenextdeliciousthing.com. And the link is in the show notes or underneath if you're watching this on YouTube. Laurie and Laura didn't know each other when Laurie suggested going into business. She'd seen these kiosks become available with like tiny little arches just from looking out of her window. And she met Laura when Laura was cooking a season in France. She just proposed to her that they go into business together without really knowing each other. But um, it's a really beautiful partnership. Laurie has the most amazing welcome. Like the hospitality is just so heartfelt and and Laura's cooking is phenomenal. So the cookbook I mentioned that came out in 2020 was nominated for, it was a finalist in the Guild of Food Writers Awards in 2021, and it's divided by month. So it's very much seasonal cooking. 
Laura really cooks the kind of food that she wants to eat. And it's like slightly more complex than we'd probably cook for ourselves, not being chefs, but uh, yeah, divided by month. So you can cook all the recipes that they make regularly in the cafe and you can choose them by what's actually in season. There are also stories in there as well. And the recipe for my favorite product that they make, which is their walnut, oat and chocolate cookie. It's insane. They make it with Pump Street chocolate and it is just, yeah, one of the best cookies. So definitely worth getting the cookbook just for that alone. The other thing I had at breakfast was, I needed to have cookies for breakfast, of course, but the other thing I had was the uh, Moringa tomatoes with Mojo Verde, this intensely herby, garlicky deliciousness. I promised the very niche recommendations for children's cakes. I tried from both of these makers. One is called Heron's Nest in South Woodford, and the other is Mama May's, and they are based in Hackney. They both do excellent tasting cakes, beautifully decorated. So if you know anyone in East London, then send them that way. There's a separate blog post for this on thenextdeliciousthing.com, so it should be easy to find. I am heading to Istanbul in a few days. So if you have any food recommendations for there or any recommendations, I would really appreciate them. You can email me at thenextdeliciousthing at gmail.com or send me a private message on social media at thenextdeliciousthing. I can't wait to share with you all the things that I try there. There will still be an episode next week. So please subscribe. If you haven't already, please tell a friend. And I look forward to talking to you again. Take care and I wish you very happy eating.